0: all right, so we're back. We took a little break. You About, took a little break. I needed a break. It was my son's spring break,
1: in fact. So Wow, that's we, the longest spring break in history. Um, well, or longer than what I'm used to as a kid, which was like a week. Yeah. 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 Well he had a week. We added a week and a half to okay. the week he had. So. How'd, you,
0: how'd you get how'd you get away with that? Well it's TK, you know, the oh, it's see. not a huge All right. problem. So he's not
1: missing a midterm or
0: anything. No, but they did give us a ton of He <laughs> has a ton of homework. Yeah. He's in the public school system here in LA and I can't believe how much homework he has for TK. Anyway, yeah. let's not digress. Let's uh, let's let's get this story going. I, the first thing I want to say is tonight's show is a clean show. No bad words for people listening with their kids. Would well, some...
1: there is one. Is there? Yeah. Okay, maybe one. Maybe you word. cut it up. I, you yeah. know, but uh, Scott will clip that later or bleep it, which yeah. will be a first for him. No, I'm not going to bleep it. <laughs>
0: If there's one bad word,
1: hopefully you can take it. Tonight's show yeah. is not paranormal.
0: It is just if you're squeamish,
1: there's a there's a it's not blood and guts. Well, maybe a little bit, but it's it's more of a creepy, crawly, worst fears kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So well, if you're prone to like, or if you have kids that are prone to get fixated on stuff, like my son, you know, we we saw a possum in the yard, like on a security camera, and I showed it to him because I thought it was neat because it kept. Uh, or excuse me, a raccoon. It was a raccoon. It kept popping open, this drainage drain. Like every morning I would come out and this lid would be popped out and on the ground. I'm like, what is happening every night? So we go back, <laughs> right. we look at the camera, it's this raccoon. He goes over and he pops it open. I guess he's looking for bugs or something yeah. down there. And I showed it to my son. I thought it was funny. And then for the next week he was like, the raccoon's going to come in the house and get me. <laughs> well, so, yeah, if yeah. you have a kid like mine yeah. right? You, and, and they're young on the younger side, this show might not be for
1: them. But that it, that hits on a theme, though, is that as adults – We enjoy a certain amount of comfort because we're intelligent creatures. We can build barriers around us to keep things out. But what happens when those barriers don't work and things come in?
0: Welcome back to Astonishing Legends. I'm
1: Scott Philbrook, and this is Forrest Burgess. Two-legged creatures we are supposed to love as we love ourselves. The four-legged also can come to seem pretty important. But six legs are too many from the human standpoint. Joseph Wood Crouch.
0: All right, so we're taking a little bit of a turn tonight with our show. It's uh, There's no ghosts. There's no...
1: It's not real spooky or paranormal, but I will say there's a creepiness factor to it.
0: Yeah, it's going to... Let's just say this show's going to creep back into your head when you lay down to go to bed tonight. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what I would say is that you may be skeptical. Even after you hear it, you say like, well, you know what? That's not such a big deal. But I guarantee if it happened to you... You you would freak out. Yeah. Uh, so our show tonight has actually two interviews in it. We
0: have one that's uh, relatively short. That's the one we're going to lead off with here in a few minutes. It's also actually our first phone interview. That was something that we just figured out how to do, and it's great. It opens up the world for us in terms of talking to a, a lot of people that we want to talk to that aren't close enough to come into our studio.
1: Yeah, it sounds pretty good, but you just haven't heard it from us on our show yet. So we wanted to give you a heads up. The interviewee will sound a little different. Yes, because he's on the telephone. And – I don't want to give
0: too much away. His interview is actually only about 10 or 12 minutes, so we're going to go ahead and roll that. And after that, we'll get a little bit more into our second story tonight, which is going to require a little further description. So we're on the phone with Mark Imgren, who's an old friend of mine and uh, somebody who edits, just as I used to do, edits uh, television commercials, among many other things. And he had a story that we wanted to share with our listeners. Go ahead, Mark.
2: All right. Well, this goes way back, way before I met Scott and before I was even in this business, but I had just started, and I was actually living on a boat in the Caribbean. I was wait, what? delivering sailboats. <laughs> I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was living on a sailboat. I had left New York. Oh. I had a PA job, and through a friend of my wife's, who was my girlfriend at the time, we were offered this gig delivering sailboats. This is completely unrelated to where I'm going with the story, but it's just a setup of where I was in my life. So, we were delivering sailboats down in the Caribbean between New England and the Caribbean. Wow, for a few months. And while that was going on, I found out through my parents that a very well known editor in New York City was looking for an assistant editor and was trying to track me down because she had a we had a mutual friend. So long story short, I was headed back to New York because I needed to get working again. And it was for um, a music video by Lou Reed that I got to work on as an assistant editor. So that was sort of my, the whole reason why I was going to go back to New York and stop being a, a failing freeloader. <laughs> so anyway, here I am coming back to New York. I don't have a place to live. My family, my parents lived out in New Jersey. And I did have a bunch of college friends who were in New York who who had lived in Washington, D.C. with me. I went to American University. And one friend, who was actually a close friend of my girlfriend's, who was now my wife, and she had an apartment uh, in the NYU neighborhood that was about six floors above the Waverly Diner, which was a very popular diner for college kids, and it probably still is. But one thing about the Waverly Diner is that uh, it didn't make for the cleanest environment. And Uh so that led to a variety of things that I wasn't really aware of. But anyway, so here we are. I'm back in New York. I'm hunting for my own apartment. And I'm hanging out at this friend's place in the NYU neighborhood and doing this assistant editor gig. And I'm looking for other work. And things are kind of busy. Still don't have a place to live. So this friend offers her floor and a futon, and there we lived for about three weeks, which at that time seemed kind of like a long period, but obviously it wasn't such a big deal. But anyway, we're getting to know this apartment, and it's kind of a nice apartment, and my friend from college was kind of from what you would call sort of a well-to-do family I knew that she had a, her family had a lot of money she was a lot of fun but that's really all I knew about her but the one thing that I wasn't expecting was in this very nice very big apartment there were also a lot of bugs and uh. they were they were cockroaches and I thought well okay that's kind of weird but maybe that's just how life is in New York you know I I had spent a lot of time around New York City but I never actually lived there because I grew up in the suburbs no no big deal you know I wasn't really afraid of bugs it was just sort of more of an observation something that I kind of was just like okay well this this place has cockroaches but you know that's just the way it is so we go about our days and my wife is sort of also hunting for a job and working long hours and we realized that
0: wait so both so both you guys are staying there
2: we're both staying there, and it was sort of like that. Or the other alternative was to stay with my parents in New Jersey. And you know, when you're in your early twenties, you're going to want to stay with friends versus parents. Yeah. So it was sort of like cockroaches or parents. Yeah. We picked we picked the cockroaches, and um, I remember kind of getting a little bit creeped out because there were not just one or two, but there were a lot of bugs in the bathroom, in the kitchen. And I thought, God, this is kind of unlike this friend of ours to be okay living with all these bugs. You know, it just didn't, it was just not, something wasn't quite right. So I, um, you know, it was getting slowly but surely more creeped out. And I remember not wanting to necessarily go back there at night because it meant, you know, eventually the lights would go off and we'd be asleep with all these bugs around us. And it was kind of almost like a sense of dread. You know, the sun would go down and be like, time to time to go back to that apartment with the cockroaches. And
0: Oh my God, this sounds we- awful.
2: <laughs> more and <laughs> more it that- became, it became this <laughs> <a> sort of <laughs> nagging conversation between me and my girlfriend and I, I. I guess I was becoming probably a little bit more Preoccupied with these bugs than I should have, and
1: I can't.
0: I can't stand cockroaches. Like I I don't have a phobia, but like if I see a cockroach, I'm a little grossed out. But the the thing that bothers me about them is how fast and reckless they seem. Like
2: and they're and they're sneaky.
0: Yes. Oh God.
2: And the other thing to keep in mind is we had just been down in the Caribbean, where it's hot and humid, and there's you know there's there are bugs the size of Montana down there. And they didn't really bother me. You know, it was just sort of part of the, the local color.
0: It's a different mindset it's when totally, you're in a Yeah.
2: Totally different mindset. So, yeah. anyway, we're um, just going through our day-to-day and we're having fun. We're living in New York. We're both kind of getting more involved in our first jobs, out, you know, after graduating from college and... Everything seemed to be great, but there were these bugs, you know, and so we were also very motivated to, to get our own apartment that was hopefully bug free, which we eventually did. So I just I said to my, my girlfriend at the time, we're on a futon on the floor. One of these one of these is gonna it's gonna end up on us when we're sleeping and she said, <sighs> Oh, you know, don't you you're being ridiculous. So long story short, one morning Gosh, it was probably before the sun had rose, and I was sort of in a um, kind of half sleep state. And my girlfriend was up earlier than me. I think she had a job she had to get to. Get, you know, It's more of, more of uh, standard hours. So she was in the bathroom, and this is sort of me telling the way that she retells the story. She hears what she described as a blood-curdling scream from the living room where we were sleeping. And so her first reaction is "My God, someone's broken into the apartment. What it turned out to be was me. And in my half sleep state, I felt something in my ear. Oh no. And what, what woke me up was me with my pinky finger in my ear. And I was, you know, just in that groggy state, I pulled my finger out, and sure enough, on the end of it was a cockroach. So a cockroach had crawled in my ear during my sleep, and it was sort of my worst fear, and and it happened.
0: And so, it was in there. Did did you feel it, or hear it, or?
2: Yeah, well, I think, you know, I was obviously sound asleep, but that's what woke me up. It was that sensation of having something, you know, I don't know if you've ever felt a A bug in your ear. No, I have More than just a bug. You know, I think when you have something in your ear or in a nose or anywhere else, it's not supposed to be, you're going to react even if you're asleep. And I think without even thinking about it, you know, the knee-jerk reaction was to stick a finger in my own ear and get out whatever was in there. So that was sort of my, uh, the beginning of my long-life hatred of cockroaches.
0: <laughs> so, so it came out pretty easy, though, it sounds like. You just you pulled your finger out, and it was on your finger?
2: It was on my finger. It was sort of half alive, half moving. Ugh. So this was New York City, where the cockroaches are a little bit different than they are out here in California. Out here, we have those big palmetto bugs that are you know, a couple inches long, but they're smaller and sneakier and faster in New York. But there's a little coda to this story. I um, stayed in New York for many years after that. I had, I think, I had at least two other apartments um, which were completely cockroach-free. But then I was offered. I planned to move west, and that that plan was already in motion. And I got an offer to work on uh, another music video with a different editor. And that was sort of going to be my last gig before I went went to California. So while I was on that job, I sublet an an apartment in the neighborhood that's now called uh, Nolita.
0: Sure. North of Little Italy.
2: Yeah, great apartment on um, Spring and Elizabeth Street.
0: And you already know this, but my office was just around the corner from there uh, in New York. Yeah. Broadway and Spring.
2: (laughs) Yeah. This was, um, you know, it wasn't quite the neighborhood it is now, but it was still a really great place to just hang out in the summertime in New York City for a month. Well, that that had its own little event that involved cockroaches. It was about 95 degrees with about 110% humidity, no air conditioning. This is one of those walk-up apartments. So when I come home from work at night, I had to open all the windows. And this was, I think, third or fourth floor. <clears throat> so I didn't really feel like there was any danger in going to sleep with the windows open. And Sure enough, you can probably figure this out yourself. But cockroaches started coming into this apartment and they were the big flying kind with wings. And I lasted about a week and I eventually just left and stayed the rest of the month with my parents because I was I was kinda done with cockroaches at that at that point. <laughs> so I, I called I called the landlord and she said, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, you can't go to sleep with the windows with the windows open because that's how they come in. So I kind of sealed the deal. I was sort of done with bugs by then, at least the bugs of those sort.
0: So basically you bail you bailed on that apartment earlier than you needed to. You were like, I'm going to California and and these bugs, they drove you out. You were like, no, I, I am not doing I can't do this with these cockroaches.
2: Yeah, it was a little too much. I mean, these were the big winged kind, and they were landing on pillows, and oh, um, cr- <coughs> it was a little bit insane.
0: Oh, that That's insane. Well, uh, I really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Wow. Okay, so you know what? I lived in New York for nine years, as I've said on the show before. Th- that, that never happened to you? No. Let me just say, well, we lived in a, in a pretty nice building, but it was built in 1912, but it was, our unit was – we remodeled our unit. It was a condo. And I would say about once a year, we'd see a roach scurrying around somewhere. Not very much, honestly. I got no, be- but it's
1: hard to avoid in a big city.
0: Yes, it is. It is, and the other problems in New York. For instance, our building had a, a little koi pond originally oh. that was down in a sort of common courtyard. It actually, had fish in it? it. Well, it did at one point <laughs> until the rats came oh, and ate them all. Really?
1: Yes. They they, they went fishing. They dug they, them out. Yes. And, and yeah. Wow. That's and it was a, such a funny
0: thing because the the board, the homeowners were you know everybody was like, if your kids ask what happened to the fish, you might not want to tell them. You know. So it's like, and the rats. You know, the rats in New York. I yeah. you know having lived there for nine years, I would you would I would mostly see them on the subway. I rode yeah.
1: my bike, no, not on the train, in no, the, in the tunnels. No, I
0: have seen one on the train, oh, but mostly in the tunnels. Yeah, and i I rode my bike 14 miles every day, seven yeah. miles each way, up and down the island of Manhattan right. to work for like five years. And I one night actually ran over it. Ran in front of me and Whoa. I ran over it.
1: Whoa! It and didn't derail you. It didn't. Uh, make no, you crash. No. It so didn't. Was it large?
0: Yes. Go for like a speed bump. Yeah. Or cat. When, it, yeah. when I looked back it still was going, so
1: <laughs> it was it didn't even notice. But, you know, they yeah. they
0: can chew through concrete. Apparently they can chew through like a foot of concrete. It, well it's just they, crazy.
1: Yeah, if they it's, if they work at it long enough, yeah. they can. And and I when I the, the few times that I've been in Manhattan where I've seen them is uh, if there's any kind of space that's a perfect spot for them. Say a, a space between two buildings, was, where maybe there's yeah. a cyclone fence and there's grass growing and it's kind of unkempt and there's garbage like yeah. that. They love that. No, and, yeah, you yeah. see
0: them there. And and the thing is, the rats don't really skeeve me out. I got to be honest. They are, yeah. you know, they they don't run after you. No. You know? And the other
1: thing we're getting at is that they stay. They're pretty much outside. Yeah. You they're know? pretty much outside. Yeah. And I've heard horror stories about families way north up the, on the island there, where they're they're coming in at night and they're coming up through the toilet. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Uh, we yeah. can't. Oh, jeez, we can't go there. Yeah, yeah. the show is really taking some turns tonight. But I, hey, I, I, we promised you know, creep factor. Yes, we did. We yeah. did. And
0: and the other current really big issue in New York is actually bed bugs. Um, oh yeah, they yeah. are everywhere. And Has that gotten
1: worse or better? I'd, I'd heard probably. I think nationwide it was a problem. Well, it's gotten a little better. I, I think it's gotten a little better. I do know they're really hard to eradicate. I yeah.
0: and I have friends here in L.A. that had them in their apartment oh. right in North Hollywood, not too far from where we are oh, now. Boy. A friend of ours who was actually on Saturday Night Live, one of the cast members, she moved into an apartment. The apartment was a shotgun, what they call, she it's like yeah. a long skinny.
1: Right. And railroad an, apartment.
0: A, a, yeah, a railroad yeah. apartment. Had a brick wall that ran the full length of it and uh-huh. the bedbugs were in the mortar and in the bricks. Ugh, and, the, and the company that came to eradicate them was like, you can't, this won't work. You can't get rid of really? them. Really? Yeah, because the, the eggs have some kind of like super shield on them but, you know like, <laughs> like something out of Halo. Teflon. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you spray Kevlon. everything steam yeah. whatever and they just kind of like they stay and then they can be dormant for a long time yeah. i guess. you know I'm well, gonna, that's i don't want to get into a fact. no anything, but i but, but
1: like, uh but no i have seen uh, reports where the the one thing that they do if they're in a regular house and this is really one of the factors not only that the bites are very itchy yes and they're they're they're, they're insidious uh, they're they're diabolical and we're going to get to that uh, a little later on as far as uh, things that seem to avoid you and know, know what's up. Right. Uh, one way they get rid of them, though, is they crank the heat up uh, in your house or apartment to a pretty high heat, maybe 115, 120 degrees. You wouldn't want to be in there, but that's hot enough that it will kill them. But in the mortar, that I don't know if they could crank that up hot enough to get to uh, All you know, I know is kill that the this particular person, she had like – Refused oh. to move in oh
0: yeah, and then you know the classic New York situation they won't give her back the deposit sure. it was the whole thing was a of course, you know, but yeah. anyway, so and I guess you were saying though there there's
1: actually a new breed of well this approach now in the city i it's not a new breed, I would say that. Uh, I, there's something that maybe has changed about them as far as their habitat, because I looked this up after hearing Mark's story. I'd heard that uh, there's different uh, subspecies. So there's the, the American cockroach. There's the German cockroach, which is usually smaller, but they don't usually fly. And, and generally they don't survive well. I'm against flying cockroaches. Cock- yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the bugs that abide. fly anyway, because you know what? It's another access of them coming at your face <laughs> and, yeah. and invading your space, uh, but, which is what we're talking about here. But in New York, generally, they, um, the smaller ones, they don't fly. And uh, that's how they survive is that they go when it gets cold, certainly gets pretty cold in New York. They will move inside indoors. That's why they're in restaurants, places where there's food or garbage. You can always find them. But they're not the flying kind. And, uh, and what I'd read online was that generally the, uh, the, the ones that – the bigger ones that do fly are the Asian cockroach, which weren't really uh, hanging out in, in Manhattan so much. Now, this is what's interesting because what did this happen to Mark? You know what I'm not sure, but it was it was a year it was a while year. back. It, a while back. it would have been a long years. a pretty yeah. good yeah. while ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So he's, he's been a... in LA as almost as long as I've known him, which is going on for 10 or 15 years I think. Right. Yeah. Although he's worked in New York some for some jobs, but he he's been
1: living in LA a long time. Yeah, so it's so it's, it's, probably it's a, a while. Yeah, long time um, the Asian cockroach which is the big one that flies, those are usually found in the southeastern states. So because it's warmer, they they can, you know, they can handle it now apparently there was i just found an article and this is from december of 2013 so not that f- you know a couple of years ago in new york city there's a new cockroach where you know the headlines are, of course are, um, are trying to grab you so it's super cockroach that can survive an entire winter outside which is generally not the not in the wheelhouse of the of the flying asian cockroach but mark said they they flew in through the window and this is the other thing about the asian cockroach is that they are attracted to light so you know, I w-
0: and didn't that article I, I, you sent me this article yeah. too? It suggested that they were associated with the High Line. Right?
1: Well, the, the, yeah, because they, they think it might that come they, in the plants? yeah. See, well, this is where it's interesting because you know I believe Mark that these you leave the windows open, and again another great uh, landlord thing. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. Don't you can't, yeah, you can't leave your windows open at night because there's giant cockroaches that will land on your face. <laughs> Uh, But you've already paid me the money, so you can't get out of it. What they're implying, from what I've read, is that that really wasn't occurring much because those types of the larger flying ones don't like the cold weather. And they are more outdoor cockroaches, whereas the smaller ones that you usually see, the American cockroach, the German, those are inside. And so that's how they survive the winter. But apparently now they were redoing the High Line, which was an elevated train platform, which was abandoned, not in use anymore. But they turned that into kind of a park. Right? So there's there's an upper level that they've put a lot of plants in and greenery and, and uh, it looks great. It, right. <laughs> and there's a lot of tourists that like to hang out there. And I, I think there's shops maybe underneath or, or somewhere in there. Great place to hang out. But the problem is that when they brought the plants in, they think that some of these Asian cockroaches came along for the ride, which happens quite a bit throughout human history. Uh, people traveling to a place, bringing bugs with them unknowingly and sometimes knowingly. And that's what happens, and they've adapted. Unknowingly, not annoyingly. Did I say annoyingly? Both both (laughs) words work. (laughs) They are annoying, and uh,
0: the result is annoying. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I don't like them. I've never liked them. My biggest problem with them is how fast and reckless they are. I don't have a problem with –
1: they're reckless. Yeah, <laughs> they, he's heading towards me. What is me he and doing? I, mean, I don't know what he's, he's doing. Like, Where is he's he He's furtive. What
0: could he yeah. possibly have in mind? I am a thousand times bigger than him. Why is he running at
1: me? Yeah. Well, you know that uh, they could they I can mean, you send me about it. No, it's you. they don't. Well, some will, maybe because they know that they they they're gonna scare you, especially the flying ones. They like, don't you just, know they're scaring you. They they do they're know when that. you're approaching. Do you, you know that they can feel they feel that gust of wind? They can feel the the the, the vibration of you come. You know, so and obviously they can see you. Yeah. But they know you're coming. Uh, and that. But that that alone, this is what I'm saying. The insect seems intelligent, which is another big creep factor. That that wraps up our cockroach story. So now we're getting to the
0: more meatier of our two interviews tonight. This one is a little bit longer, and it's an interview with a close friend of mine, Jerry Browning, somebody I've known for a long time, who lives very close to where we stayed when we took our vacation just recently to Pennsylvania for my son's spring break. And being that I was there and close to Jerry and I knew about this story that he's actually told me several times, I wanted to interview him. So obviously I didn't have our whole kit. Our studio wasn't with me. I did take a digital recorder. I sat down with Jerry. Again, you're going to hear it sounds a little bit different because it's a very simple setup. We're just interviewing him in the dining room of a house and it's a little echoey and that sort of stuff. However, you can hear us both very clearly. And this story is just – it's just one
1: for the – if you thought the preceding one was creepy, yeah, it, it's a, it's another notch on the creep level. Yeah,
0: it's more than a notch. It's a good hack. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, without further ado, I'm going to go to uh, this interview. I'm going to start out with uh, Jerry. Why
3: don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I was born in Virginia and uh, in 1969, and we moved to Texas in 1977, I think, and that was the year that my dad retired from the Navy. He was a master chief petty officer. Uh, in the Navy. He was in the Navy in calendar years, 19 years, but it's considered 20 years because he did early retirement. I mean, early uh, reenlistment. He reenlisted three times or four times and earned credit for that. And so he got one extra year. So he's considered a 20-year. What does that mean, Master Chief Petty Officer? What does that mean? What it's, do you do? It's the highest enlisted ranking in the Navy. I'll, you'll have to confirm that with your cursory research. <laughs> and um, <Dang>. Thanks. <laughs> And, uh, so, um, my dad would be, of course, the expert on that. But, uh, so he was, um, he retired from the Navy and we moved to Texas and I, I grew up in a, in a mid cities area, which is between Dallas and Fort Worth in a town called Bedford, Texas. And, um, we lived there for a couple of summers and that's how I, I confirmed that with my mom, that it, we we think this was in 1978 or 79. I don't think it was the first summer we were there, which would have been the summer of 77. So we're talking pretty close to when Star Wars came out, the first movie. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 77, Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. So that dates it a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I think I saw Star Wars in the theater. I did. Nine times. <laughs> I don't I do remember. I lived it. in Denver at the time, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So I... um. So my mom confirmed the date, and the reason that we could date it pretty accurately was that earlier that summer, we had gone to visit um, my dad's brother and his family in Utah, and the day we got home from that road trip, my mom got a phone call from, I, I, think, it was, I think it was my aunt, I don't think it was uh, my uncle, and their eldest, they have three children, and their eldest son, actually I guess they had four children at the time, uh, their eldest son had died of an aneurysm, like that day. And, uh, uh, wait, so who is this to you? Uh, he would be my cousin. Oh. And um, it was pretty horrific. It was actually one of the first times I ever heard my mom grieve, like, you know, crying, loud sobbing from her bedroom. How old were you at this point? Uh, if it's 78, I'd be 8. If it's 79, I'd be 9. So i made her or 9 years old. So it's rough for you. Yeah, it was because I didn't. Mom's upset, right? And, of course, that's. It's mom. I'm <laughs> my mother is upset, I'm gonna be upset. And uh, and it was pretty awful. I remember it being pretty tragic and, and horrifying. And then they had to explain it to my eight year old intellect, and that was not, not an easy thing to do, I don't think. You no. Know. <laughs> so they um explained it to you know that he had had a very bad headache and then a blood vessel had burst in his brain and the doctors couldn't get to it in time to save him and that was basically it so how old was he when this happened i think he's either a year younger than my brother or maybe two years younger so my brother is four years older than me so if i'm if i was eight he would be 12 so that would put put my cousin at uh, 11 or 12 years old okay so young and and, and pr- full of promise and suddenly gone, and it was it was really tragic for their for their family. So, yeah. So that was that was put of. Uh, it's for, I don't remember anything about that trip to Utah other than seeing the uh, the silver spike. Was that was that was it a gold spike that was driven when the east? It was
0: it, gold. That was gold.
3: Yeah. Yeah. When those were driven, I remember going to that on that trip and seeing that the place where that happens. And you, I think we even got little um, railroad. Spikes from from it that were made by a blacksmith there, and um, it was neat. And we actually had those in our room. Jeff and I kept them. We had bunk beds at the time, and we kept them those those railroad spikes that we got. Jeff, your brother. Jeff, my brother. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, my older brother. So it was summertime in Texas. It was very hot, and uh, I got permission to spend the night with a friend of mine who lived about six or seven houses down. I lived in a cul-de-sac, and he lived at the corner. Of the main cross street. So he was just five or six houses down. And I went down to spend the night with my, my, I think he was a one year younger, maybe one year, maybe my age. And I think he was a year younger. And uh, to spend the night at his house. And uh, he had one of those out of the ground swimming pools, you know, above ground swimming pools. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> Out of the ground. Out of the ground.
0: Not floating. I mean, I'm from the south. In the south, we call them above ground swimming pools. Out of the ground. I like yeah, that though. It's right. like Ab- it's above ground.
3: Out of the ground swimming pools. Well, Texas, there's a <laughs> lot of in ground. Right, mm. uh, that most people had them. Yeah, in ground normal. S- that's a normal term.
0: Yeah, <laughs> out of the ground. I don't
3: know. Yeah. Bay, I don't know. above ground. Yeah. Swim. Anyway, so you were in the out of the ground swimming pool. Perfect circle in his backyard. Yeah. He took up most of the backyard, of course, and uh, but it was fun. So we swam around in there with his little sister. She was at least three or four younger, years younger than us, and we went swimming. And then, um, well, then we you know got ready to to. Uh, I'm doing a, like a sleepover. And I hadn't done many sleepovers, you know, with other friends when I was that age. Um, and uh, so we set up sleeping bags on the floor of her uh, of his little sister's room because she had a little tiny, like a, um, a television. A little tiny, almost like a what you would call a portable television in her room. And so we watched Monty Python and Vinnie Hill and because there's like four stations, you know. There's, oh, what fun. <laughs> the big three. So we watched that probably till 11, midnight, maybe even 1 a.m. And then drifted off to sleep. So I know this story probably doesn't seem very interesting at this point, but this is where everything starts to change because it's the middle of the night and his sister's sleeping in her bed and we're sleeping on the floor of his sister's bedroom. Her bed is, you know, against the wall and um, we're on sleeping bags that, that they, I think my mom said that they got them out of the garage, you know, where they kept their camping gear I go into sleep pretty quickly because we're tired from running around and watching TV late in the night. And I start having these pretty strange dreams. And I don't remember all the dreams because it's it's, uh, many years ago. And I'm just going to step back for one second. My mom once said that I got a lot of mileage out of this story. And uh, she actually said that to me in a recent phone call when I wanted to re-remember I wanted to confirm the facts of the story. And she says, you got a lot of mileage out of this story. And you wrote a paper for it, like in creative writing in junior high. Then you wrote a nonfiction telling of it in high school. And then my first acting class in college... I was told to tell a story on the first day, and I just blurted this out, basically. The, the next day, we prepared it and came in. and so, so this is a story you'd like to tell? It's a story that I, I, I think I remember it better because I've told it a few times over, over a period of years. So are you worried you're having a... A shell a seashell game with yourself or something or well that i know that i just don't i don't want to i i think i i remember the telling of the story more than i may remember the actual facts of the story i think that's happened that happens to everybody everyone has that and and we encounter that a lot with the guests
0: on our show in fact and it, it, mark Brignoni, who was just on and told the story about the laughing indian and prior to that he told the story about the flirting ghost of norway which only just happened like two years ago so it was a little bit more recent, but this laughing Indian thing, was something that happened when he was young, he been telling it over and over his whole life. It, it's something that's common with people who have had a particularly startling event, which I trust is what you're leading up to.
3: Y- yes, exactly. And actually, she tells the story almost the exact same way that I tell it. Your mom does. Right, from her point of view on what happened each moment in the night uh, as it kept going. So I, um, I'm i having these strange dreams, but the, the main picture in the dream is... I don't know if you remember, we had health books, you know, in science class or health class in Texas, I guess it was health class, and they had, like, diagrams of your anatomy in them, and it would be, like, things like your eyeball, and it would be a cross-section of the eyeball, and you could see the lens and the cornea and all those parts. Same thing for the ear. You would see the inner ear canal... The, um, the eardrum and the little bone that's the hammer on the eardrum, all of those parts would be labeled and spelled out. Well, I'm dreaming about that picture of my ear. And I keep seeing an M&M, and it's like a, like a bright yellow M&M being kind of in the outer part of my ear, being slowly shoved into it. What you're telling me is that
0: you've gone to sleep here, you're at the sleepover, and you're having a dream about an M&M slowly sliding into
3: your ear canal. Exactly. And it's green. No, no, it's yellow. Oh, sorry, yellow. I thought you said <laughs> bright green a second ago. I thought I said bright yellow. I don't know. We can. Well, what, You're you're also colorblind, right? So it that doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there was an M&M.
3: It was an M&M. And it you're was you're a bright color. About
0: an M&M in your diagrammed ear. Right. Okay. All right. So continue, please.
3: I'm shifting in and out of that dream, and this 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 M&M is getting closer and closer to my eardrum. You know, in the, in the in the inner ear canal. And so I'm very nervous about this. And when I wake up, I wake up and I'm instantly in pain. And it's a sharp, like, deep pain. And I actually can't even figure out where. In my head. And I don't know if it's in... I can't even really localize which ear or if it is an ear. I just remember deep, dark pain in my head. So I panic. And I kind of yell out, something's in my head. And that's probably the first thing that came out of my mouth. Was something's in my head, and I mean, I start screaming. I mean, really, like just unloading. His his little sister wakes up. She's crying now because I'm screaming. He wakes up. He literally. My friend Matt runs out of the room, and obviously, he went to get his mom. His mom comes up What's wrong? And I'm like, there's something in my head. There's something. In, there's something in my ear, and. When I said ear, I don't know if it's... I said ear because I could now hear the sound in my ear. And it, I, it's my right ear. And uh, the sound was like um, like a drill. It was like a drill, except that it would go... Or a saw, like a circular saw. A power tool. Loud. Loud. It would drill, and then it would suddenly get caught. It would catch. And it would stop. So it would go. It would... I, I'll do it vocally here. It was like... And it, and it was intermittent and it suddenly stopped and stopped for a long time i'm panicking i'm upset i'm screaming and yelling it's uh you know excruciating actually and the, the, the I, it's funny I, it's hard to describe the pain you know 30 years later or so 35 years later but i, I just remember that it was it was sharp and then dull and deep Right, sharp, dull, and deep, and it kind of did cycles, but intermittent. Just like the sound was intermittent, and it, the quiet, the periods of quiet were long. They could be a minute, you know, two minutes, and then it would kick in again. Okay, so you're awake when this is happening? Come, yeah, I'm wide awake now. Wide, wide awake. awake? Yeah, I mean, I can see everything in the room, and I think. I, I couldn't tell you this exactly, that my eight-year-old brain went to this, but I am afraid I'm going to die, that I'm going to... Something's wrong with my brain or my head, and I'm about to die. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I've gone to where the fear that my, of my cousin dying earlier that summer... And I can't couldn't tell you if it was the beginning of the summer or the end of the summer when I, this incident happened, but I know that it happened after, after uh, my cousin had died. So I'm... in complete fear flight mode abject terror abject terror and i'm kind of uh, not able to function other than i can follow simple directions like get out of the sleeping bag and let me look and she's his mom briefly looked at my head but i'm yelling so loud she doesn't even want to touch me so she leaves the room because i'm screaming and obviously she must have called my parents but it seemed like less than a minute or two later there was a knock at the front door. And they're, they're, they've got me dressed at the front door with my whatever stuff I have. And they open the door, and my dad is standing there. And this is, this is my, my dad. It, and to me, when I was a kid, he always looked a little bit like Clint Eastwood to me. And uh, tall, stern, stoic, and uh, serious. He re- honestly, he reminds me, he doesn't look like him, but personality-wise,
0: he reminds me of Gerald McRaney. Like in House of Cards, Gerald McGrady. <laughs> right? And I love your dad. I mean, I've been up to say he can be an intimidating man.
3: Yeah, and 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 for me, Master I, Chief. I was right. still I was still getting to know him. Uh, it, it, I think one of the reasons that my dad retired, and I, and he would have to confirm this with you, but one of the reasons that he retired was that he was in the Navy. He would be gone three to six months at a time per year. You know, we would see him for a month or two, and then he'd go back out on tour and he was actually at the end of his career he was on an aircraft carrier called the forestall. So I didn't, I didn't know him very well. And actually I think one of the last times he had come home from a tour, he saw me and I, I basically hid behind my mom's skirt. You know, I mean, I was, I was a little bit afraid of my own father. And I think he was, he kind of came to the realization that I'm, it's time for me to get to know my, 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 boys, my sons. And so I was still kind of getting to know him in a way in those early years in Texas. And so but he was a, a stern disciplinarian, let's say. And I was a pretty obedient son. So when he got to the door, I'm still screaming. And, of course, when I see him now, I'm screaming more because I've got the attention of my father here. And he's, he looks down at me, and I remember this. This is one of the few things that I remember that my mom couldn't remember because she wasn't there. And he looks down at me, and he says, Jerry, be quiet. And it was. I instantly shut up. <laughs> I mean, I was still in pain, and I was grimacing. And I was like, mm. but I just bit down, and I was quiet, and uh, just it, it, he didn't say anything like take the pain. There was none of that crazy uh, cliche you, military death. Yeah, machoism. Yeah. <laughs> it was just Jerry, be quiet, and I was quiet, at least for a moment there. And he picked me up, and you know I don't know how much a seven year old weighs or eight year old weighs, but I'm, I don't think I was too late. He picks me up in his arms, and he 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 ran home, and he. You know, normally you'd go back out to the sidewalk and you walk up the... No, he took across off across the front lawns of all the other houses between our house and and my house. He worked ducking underneath trees or that our branches were too low. And that's what I can remember, that running on a summer night back home. Now, my mom confirmed that she thinks it was late. She she actually used the term, the expression, the wee hours of the morning. And uh, so 2 or 3 in the morning. And he gets me home. He sets me down on the... uh, Front threshold of our house. I step in, and we had one of those uh, sunken living rooms. It's one step down from the rest of the level of the house. The seventies. Yeah, I don't know why why they designed. The <laughs> house. I was like, is it cooler? I don't know what the purpose I is. Well, Mary Tyler Moore had one, right? So it was pretty. We we did we definitely... have shag carpet or? Oh yeah. Oh, it did. I was uh, guess I was making a joke back then. It was a shag carpet. Mom, <laughs> my mom eventually got a nicer. Uh, carpets my
0: grandmother had a shag carpet, and it had a rake, and I used to love to rake the carpet to get it all going the but same
3: way. I, right. I don't think we had a rake. Oh, okay. Anyway, I digress. <clears throat> so they bring you into the so house. bring you into the house. We, I, 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 the sound has gone on and off while I was in my dad's arms, running across the lawns, um, on, and then, again, when the sound is on, it's only no more than... 20, 30 seconds, but I mean, probably more like five seconds. And then it would immediately do that grinding halt and stop. So it would, and then it would stop. And it was, uh, the only way I can describe it is when you have a table saw or a chop saw or even a drill that hits a knot or, or you, you turn the wood slightly on a table saw and it does a kick back where it stops that blade. That sound is kind of what this sound was. I step into the living room. I'm standing in the living room. The pain now has shifted from that a sharp pain to just that deep, dull ache, like a really bad earache. And like an earache I've never had since and probably never had before. And I put my right hand up to my right ear and I'm holding it. And my mom is standing between me and the bookcases to my right. And uh, she says, oh my God, there's there's blood coming out of his ear and I can feel some liquid coming down the back of my right hand and uh, just a single trickle of blood. And I had tunnel vision as I came into the house and now it was like a point. The room faded away. I mean, I really think of it as right now as being foggy. That's what my vision was foggy. And the only thing that was focused was me looking at the back of my hand and looking at the blood on it, thinking what is going on? And, Eight, my, eight years old eight years old my mom says oh he's going into shock and my dad swoops in scoops me up again and lays me on the couch and she runs into the into the kitchen you know we had an open a somewhat open floor plan actually she runs into the kitchen she grabs paper towels and she takes one perfect paper towel and folds it into a square so, I take this paper towel and uh and I lay my head on it this perfect little square that my mom has folded and she turns back to the bookcases and she goes well let's let's see if we can figure out what's going on here So we have encyclopedias now she doesn't go to those we have a full set of not encyclopedia Britannicas but the the competitor of the of the seventies was world book and yes that's, that's I had what the, we
1: had. I had a full set I I loved with a cool
0: beige. Book. Yeah, well, yeah. They were a nice tan. <laughs> they were all off-white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? With, like, maybe a dark green.
3: They were great, actually. Yeah. And they had they had those, like, cellophane. That, they may have had inner ear diagrams in those. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you turn to ear in World Book, I bet they had those cellophane where you could do the layers. Yeah. The different oh, anatomical layers. yeah, that's layers. right. You pull it up. You peel it back. You can see different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I think they had those. Maybe that's where I got the image from. But she doesn't go to those. She goes to, we had medical encyclopedias, like I think it was a set of two or three, and she pulls out ear and looks it up. And then her conclusion after reading the ear section in her 1970s Wikipedia, she's looking at it and she says, okay, he must have, he went swimming tonight. He must have gotten water in his ear. And then while he was sleeping, he must have pressed his palm against his ear and that forced that. Hydraulic pressure had burst his eardrum, so she she came up with burst eardrum. Right, and, right, triggering blood coming and, out. You know, people joke these days about on the internet
0: about self diagnosis and how whatever WebMD you type in, whatever you know, my nose itches, and you come out with cancer. Yeah, <laughs> cancer. <laughs> so yeah. It, it turns out that's been going on. All the way back to when there were books. <laughs> sure, absolutely, <actual> absolutely. books. <laughs> yeah, and and she's self. She's got it figured out. Oh, by the way, all due respect to your mother. I'm just because I know you and I both are parents. You're doing whatever to figure it out. Do I need to go to the emergency room or not? Am I going to go to the emergency room and find out it's just a booger?
3: You know, like, you you, you walk in that line. (laughs) You've hit exactly on the part of the story that I, it's, it's, she, she will probably listen to this if, if you ever air it. I forget to ask that question every time I've asked. I think I've asked my dad about it. I've I've said, dad, why didn't we go to the doctor that night? Right? We, we did not go to the doctor. We did not. At some point, my parents made the decision. We're not going to the doctor. We'll go in the morning. He's alive. He's here. He's in shock. But they stabilized me. They put blankets on me in the middle of summer on this couch. And I'm in shock on the, on the, on the, and I'm, I thought, I remember feeling cold, foggy, but the room came back over, you know, 15, 30 minutes, something like that. And I, I felt better and I saw this pain and it was, man, it was intense, but it was fading away slowly. That pain was going away. It was just an ache now. And I was tired. I needed sleep. And so they eventually moved me to the, the bedroom she brought in more paper towels and set them next to the bed. I remember it may not have been three or four extra paper towels. She says just if this gets too wet, just change it out. Now when I when I say blood, that our initial blood was a, definitely a trickle of blood that came down my my hand. But after that, blood just would trickle out like one drop, an hour, one drop. So it's not it's not squirting out of your yeah. It's, there's it's like no it's like not heavy style. Yeah, this is not. This is not like. Oh my God, this is a trickle, a drop of blood. Every once in a while, would build up and drip out. That's still, and in, in some ways, that's even more disconcerting. I mean, for me, that <laughs> right. it keeps bleeding. Yeah, what's happening in there? <laughs> right. So, and in, you can't hear. By the way, that's the other. thing. Oh, so, I'm sorry. Yeah I, yeah, I forgot to say this. When the, when the sound stopped, that that horrible noise stopped. I could no longer hear anything out of that ear. And uh, if you if you snapped your fingers on my one side and then snapped your fingers on the other side, I could not hear those snaps on the right side. I mean, I could hear them, but only because my left ear caught the sound. And that was pretty horrifying, too. So so I've got death, possible death on my brain. You're thinking about your cousin? Cousin. Aneurysm. aneurysm. You know, when you put headphones on with a perfect stereo image, it feels like it's in your head, not mm-hmm. necessarily in your ears. And that's kind of what this was like. It felt deep enough to be inside. So inside my head, my skull, and uh, where your brain would be. And so I was in bed, and my mom was basically, you know, giving me basic instructions about the paper towels. And we're going to go to the doctor in the morning. And um, I think I started the prayer. I I reached out to God. And I just did it in the only way that I knew how, which was to say a prayer that I had heard a million times in church.
0: Just reintroducing this, and I'm going to say this because... Um, a little bit earlier, we recorded this segment and turned out the we weren't recording but you you talked a little bit about your
3: faith right so i I have had a few scares in my life mostly with my health uh that where i had was confronted with my own mortality and this technically speaking, this would be the first time as an eight year old I would be confronted everything that I knew as an eight year old I thought that death was a possibility here and then later in my life in those moments, I'm, I've for myself, I turn back to God during those moments, during those those darker times, and it's it's probably uh, not the best thing for my faith, but it's the only thing I know how to do, and um, and it gives me some comfort. I don't know why, but I I I said the Lord's prayer in bed, and I'm pretty sure my mom was still in the room at least at the beginning of it, and maybe throughout it, and then she said good night and let me fall asleep. And I actually did sleep that. night. I remember having to get up a couple of times just to check because I was worried about bleeding too much. <laughs> Funny that I would be worried about that. And so I would change out the paper towel because it would have like just one drop of blood right in the middle of it and it hadn't soaked through or anything. And so I would just change the paper towel out to make sure that, that I wasn't going to stain the sheets, which is just a strange thing to worry about. So we get up and we go to uh, the family clinic and we have a, we had a family doctor back then. And, um, and I'm going to say his name, his name was Dr. Charles Dooley and he was our family practitioner in Tarrant County. And I can't remember which hospital or clinic he was at. I don't remember any of those details. I don't even think my mom remembers, but she do, she does remember that he was our family practitioner and he was my treating physician that day. So we get in to see Dr. Dooley. Now I remember that he had crazy hair. Now I may have imprinted that memory on the story later in a later telling of it. Because I don't really remember it, but I remember describing him once as looking a little bit like Einsteinian, like not not him's face. I think he was actually a good-looking guy, but his hair was always a little crazy to me. Okay, and as a in the seventies, I don't know what even know what that means, but that's how I always imagine him. Now, so I don't know if that's true or not. But our family practitioner was Dr. Charles Dooley. And the only thing interesting about this—a complete side note—is that I think in 1984 he would be murdered in the parking lot of one of the hospitals or clinics that he worked at by the husband of a woman that Dr. Dooley had been having an affair with. Allegedly or for sure? No, no. He, I, the husband found out that Dr. Dooley was sleeping with his wife. He went to the hospital parking lot, um, laid in wait for him. I think his name was Dinkins. And if you look it up, I think there's a State of Texas versus somebody Dinkins, if you type in character Charles Dooley, Jerry. By the way, we haven't mentioned it uh, is a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Public defender. In fact, I'm a public defender in Essex County for the state of New Jersey. Newark yeah. is your Newark is the is charity. the main city, right? Yeah. So he's a busy man. Right. Yes. So he, we see him, and he and examines me, and so he looks in my non hurt ear. The left ear and he looks in that with his little tool his little light and magnifying tool and he says okay that's fine and then he looks over at my ear and he goes Whew, you have dirty ears your ears are really dirty and my mom confirmed that very dirty ears and she's like he's an 8 year old boy right <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even think I knew that what doesn't... a Q-tip was then right <laughs> It certainly wasn't also, allowed Well you're to... not supposed to use Q-tips anyway <laughs> I don't think I was right I would have <laughs> and I wouldn't have known what to do with it right so, 30 years, many years later, I would find out that you're not really supposed to do anything to your just let them self clean. And uh, so he looks in there, so he's like, okay, we're going to have to irrigate this here so I can get a better picture because I can't even see the eardrum. And uh, so he, they bring in that. No, nah, I've done this. If it's, like, to flush it out. They're going to flush. They're going to do a water flushing, oh, right? The metal giant thing. Yeah, so the they, syringe and they and bring out, a, a, like, a kidney-shaped bowl, which is supposed to, I guess, align with your jaw. But let me tell you something. It doesn't really work. It never. <laughs> that doesn't hold it back anything. Water is going to get on whatever side they're squirting the water. Yeah. And so you, I'm holding this. They make you hold the ball, yeah, which right. is really great. So I'm an eight-year-old boy holding this weird kidney-shaped bowl, bowl which I'm thinking is designed for adults. And I'm holding it up against my head, and it is. And he starts going. And the, and the squirter wasn't a. Like today, they have those blue. Their balls. Since a ball was just a little tube, and and you can't get much force out of a little ball. He had one of these things like a mini accordion. You know it was, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. He could, and it was a little bit bigger than his hand, squeeze it and it would flush the water. But and he could get a good long two or three seconds or four seconds of a squirt high pressure, high pressure. He could really blast it in there. So we did that probably four to six times, really hard. And then he would check and he said, Man, I cannot get this air cleaned out, and I am now angry. I'm angry with Dr. <laughs> Dr. Dooley, and I don't know Dr. Dooley. He's just hurting me. All I know is this is hurting really bad. Right. And uh, by the way, in the morning, still no sound, and the ache is almost gone except that it's just uncomfortable, like, an, like a normal earache. Now I'm at normal earache pain, but now I'm uncomfortable, I'm wet, I'm angry. So I yell at him briefly, and um, he leaves the room. And then he, oh, this is one of the last things he says before he leaves the room. He says, all you have in that ear right now, is one ball of wax, and it's holding on by one strand. And he says, we got to get that out of there before I can continue with this examination. So he does not ever come back into the room, ever. He sends in the nurse, and she has, like, a harness that fits over my head. And, you know, like like those retainers that kids have? It's kind of like that, but there's more headgear attachments to it. And it basically has, like, a system of... Levers or something that goes out to tweezers, and so if I turn my head, the tweezers stay aligned with the ear canal. So if I jerked one way or the other, it couldn't. She couldn't actually. The, 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 the tweezers would stay lined up with the ear. Yeah. Canal. So the nurse is going to do this. The doc doesn't come back to do this. So she puts this on my head and she says, "Okay, I'm going in now. Can you feel that? No, I can't feel anything. Can you feel that? Not it. So she clamps down." Something And she pulls out, and this is my memory of it. I am sitting in the on, the on the examination table, soaked on my right side. And all I hear her say, and it's crystal clear, and it's in my right ear, I can hear perfectly her say, Oh my God, it's a bug. And I'm like, and she pulls the harness off my head, yanking my head off to the, to the right as she pulls the harness off. And I'm like, a bug? What kind of bug is it? But I don't really care. I'm just happy that I can hear out of that ear perfectly, like crystal clear out of my right ear. And it was in Texas, like in most states in the South, they get June bugs in the beginning of summer and spring. And it's a June bug. And now I'm going to describe this as being as big as the the last digit on my pinky, but it might be the last digit on the pinky of an eight-year-old. Yeah. So, right. So not a huge June bug, but, but substantial, And I got to look at it. I'm going to go with any size at all in your ear. Not good. (laughs) (laughs) But briefly, so in the, in the, the bug was, was uh, a June bug. And he was the, now the theory is that he had drowned in my blood because he was trying to dig his way out of the (sighs) ear. And my, that was my mom's theory and the doctor's theory, because then he does the examination to look in the ear and the bug is torn up the inside of my ear, but he couldn't, he was just too fat to get to the eardrum. And I don't know if because he's built the way the exoskeleton is built, like a fish, where he can't go backwards. Like once he goes into something, he's not able to go backwards. Like the way the wings are shaped. You know, bugs can fly when it's warm. Yeah. So, and, and if the sound, I don't think they make sounds with their mandibles or their mouths or whatever. I think that it's his wings and his legs making sounds, right, as he's digging around in there. And uh, and I don't know what the stopping sound is. Eardrum, right? I don't know what that sound was, but he was making... That's the sound of a June bug in your ear to me. <laughs> so, yeah, we couldn't completely figure out everything. But he did not get to the eardrum. He didn't damage the eardrum. Now, he did tear up the inside of my ear pretty badly. But they just gave us drops, like, I guess, antibacterial drops of some kind. And um, that's what we put in my, my ear. And that's basically it for the for the um the june bug incident and uh yeah so it's um
0: i it's difficult for me to say this but thank you for coming in (laughs) (laughs) uh it's a good story I feel like you had to be asleep and he crawled in. My mom... I mean, that's when it usually happens. I did a little bit of, as you pointed out, cursory research before you came over tonight for this interview, and in most cases, the bugs climb in while you're sleeping.
3: Yeah, I and think... That's I- what
0: no one wants to hear. And by <laughs> the way, there's a whole thing on, uh, on Snopes about this, because there's, a, there's an urban legend of a bug climbing into someone's ear and then chewing its way all the way through to the other side, like through the brain. Yeah. Which has not happened. And so you go on Snopes and, okay, that's not real. But you know what has happened? What happened to you? Yes. And you know what? It does happen. So if you want to be afraid of something, be afraid of Jerry's story. <laughs> because this really happened. <laughs> yeah. It was. This is, I mean, the only thing I'll say, <clears throat> Jerry and I are longtime friends now, long time. Uh, we have uh, we've been kayaking together, camping, hiking, Grand Canyon, all that stuff. And uh, I will tell you at night, when it comes time to settle down around the campground, when a bug's flying around,
3: Jerry's in the tent. <laughs> I, I avoid the, the bug. It's actually, I make my bed every day. I, I think I've done that since, I, I think, I, I was roommates with a good, a mutual friend of ours in college, Travis Aiken. Even for the two or three years that Travis and I lived together, I made my bed regularly. And one of the reasons I made my bed is that insects can't get into your covers if you make it well, and so I was, I'm still pretty religious about that, actually. I'm right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm disciplined when it comes to that. I just don't want any bugs to get, especially with those crazy stink bugs. That's another trigger being out here in Pennsylvania is make the bed. So they don't have to deal with stink bugs in the bed. at Yeah. Night. Yeah. So, cause on the bed is not a big deal. You can just flip them off and no big deal, but if, yeah. I don't want them in the sheets and climbing around your pillows and waiting to get into your ear and uh, my brother uh, you know doesn't isn't really a player in this story but he he remembers that that when he sees bugs today he says he thinks about that story about once a month <laughs> so and this is I 30 think about years it, later I think about once a month and it, and for me i don't feel like i
0: know that many people i mean i know a few people but like the fact that i know two people that have stories i'm just saying it at night i, I worry about my ears <laughs> you should. Because you, you, know, you know the whole thing about the spiders crawling, like five spiders crawling in your mouth a year or something like that. That's apparently, that's apocryphal. That's an urban legend. Okay. You know, there's the other rumor that we eat bugs in our salads, which I think is probably true. Right. You know, like you said, there's bug parts in the sure stuff. Whatever, it's a little protein. There's people go out of their way to eat bugs in a lot of countries in the right. world. It's good for you. Thank you for coming in tonight so glad to have gotten this story on tape after many years of hearing it and hopefully we won't be calling on you again <laughs> alright thanks nice.
1: wow so that yeah see now that's my point that turns the creepy crawly factor way up because uh, yeah it's in your ear but you can't get it out Yeah, that's you know what I'm saying like it's invaded your space literally it's in your space it's in your head and uh, unlike the roach thing, where it's just—I mean—that's gross. That you, you reach in and it—it—it it, yeah. it, it comes out. I can't even heart. Um, um, why did I agree to do this episode? <laughs> it was well, that's, some people are, are fine with bugs. <laughs> probably a small segment, but most people, I would say, are, yeah, they're they're creeped out by them. And it's like for me, like you said, uh, we were talking about this earlier. I can have a spider in my hands, you know, if it's not a poisonous one, and and I don't mind it crawling around. It's different if I. I'm sleeping, and I feel something I flick the light on, and there 's a spider on my pillow, okay. I immediately just want it gone yeah and- I, I, I see a spider crawling up your your shirt sleeve or your pant leg, you want it off of you, and here you can't get well he didn't know what it was at first I, that's a thing yeah and I, I i've actually had waking
0: nightmares about, and i don 't really have oh, a, about something about a spider i don 't really have a spider phobia, yeah, yeah, in fact, spiders. I prefer to most bugs because really, yeah, I don't Just know why. philosophically. Yeah, I mean, good, and I'm not talking good about Australia like the, the huntsman. Yeah, oh, that's I can't a, deal yeah. with the big ones. That was the size of your out. hand. Yeah. yeah, but then. Overall, when I see like a little wolf spider, and when you get near it, oh no, those are those are
1: poisonous though.
0: Picks its arms up, yeah. Yeah, But they don't really. They're cute, you know. All right,
1: let me drop one on your beard uh, (laughs) in the middle of the night and see how cute it is. (laughs) So yeah, that's the spider thing. I'm
0: I'm generally the picture of cool, as can be evidenced by
1: (laughs) the (laughs) little cell phone video. Yeah,
0: I have this video which I'm putting up with this posting of uh, praying mantis. I hope you do praying mantises. They're so cool. Generally, I think of them as being kind of slow. And I'm well, showing, fly, I'm know. showing this yeah. one to my son. I'm like, I got it's walking on my hand, and I'm like, it's yeah. pretty cool, right? And he's, he's sort of laughing, <laughs> and I'm like, do you want it to let it walk on you? And he's he thinks about it, and then he's like, no, it's okay.
2: <laughs> and I was right. like, well, no, yeah, because yeah,
0: and as I, as but as he's about to let it walk on him, I'm like, you got to stay cool, you know, just relax, yeah. don't freak out. And no sooner do I say that than that. Praying mantis. It takes a few steps up my hand, past my wrist, <laughs> and then he goes from like zero to sixty faster yeah. than a Porsche, flying, like, flying. no, running up running. my arm, wow. and I freaked out. And <laughs> well, the, my yeah, son is laughing so hard. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> Anyway, you can see that video on. It the, crossed on the, a line. Yeah, I was like, it, what is it? Where's it going? Where does it think it's going? That's what I'm saying. What is it thinking? It's Why furtive. is it running towards my head? Right. It doesn't know. Look, you're just
1: a giant. You
0: know, it's <laughs> running through a forearm no, of, of. I hair. did not kill it. I'm uh, pleased. I don't. Like to kill? You no, know, it flew things, away.
1: Right?
0: Like, no, I I scraped <laughs> it off my shoulder okay. gently with yeah. my hand, and um, where did it go? I flew away.
1: <laughs> you you went off and no, eventually, a, actually, a actually I picked
0: it back up and put it on a plant. Okay, know, after it calmed the f yeah. down.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know, that's what I'm saying is that it's that craziness that freaks me out. No, it invaded. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're not in control anymore. That yeah. was my earlier point. When things invade your space, the barriers that we have created to keep out the creepy crawlies, that's very disconcerting. Have you ever heard of the candiru fish? No. Okay. <laughs> I thought I thought maybe a hand just because that owes itself a bit to uh, legend and lore. Essentially, it's a translucent parasitic freshwater catfish, and it's native to South America. But I'm sure, I, I can't believe you never heard this legend before, is that if you urinate in the waters of the Amazon... It can swim up the stream and enter your urethra, uh, <laughs> you know, the, what? which is
0: yeah. Wait, that's, no, wait, that's wait, 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 wait. It swims up your pee stream.
1: Yes. Elegantly put, yes. Well, I mean. <laughs> well, okay. So the first time I'd heard that, and th- this was years ago, I, it didn't, that just didn't make sense to me. It's like, well, no. I mean, it's, uh, how's, that's a feat of acrobatics. I, I, I just don't think it's possible. Laws of just, physics. Just the fluid dynamics. You can't, fluid. it's swimming upstream at a, you know, at a, at a good clip. I yeah. mean, you know. And then years later, I'd heard like, well, no, it's not exactly that. It's, you don't want to be. Uh, up to your waist or above your waist in water and urinate because uh, for men or women because it's attracted to the urine somehow it can sense that and it and it, and it will lodge itself in your urethra and then it's a chopper ride to the nearest <laughs> you know hospital in Manaus or something <sighs> so well okay so i looked it up and doesn't appear to be possible or true although it but it has had uh, I feel better it had, No, it's, it's had years and years of ancient lore behind it with the uh, indigenous folks, and some have even covered their private areas when they go bathing, but that might be just for the piranha. <laughs> you know? So there's a lot of things that, that can get you there, but that is one thing, and it, it just turns out like there's really no known case of it. The last one that happened was in 1979. I'm sorry, this happened in Brazil in 1997, which is really the last modern and only case to happen in modern era. Uh, to a 23-year-old man, supposedly, and an American biologist, Stephen Spott, went down in 1999 to check it out, and apparently was like, "Well, that sounds a little far-fetched." And then the evidence that was presented to him just it didn't add up. So his conclusion, basically, you know, it didn't happen. Yeah, you no, know, and it's not very really likely to happen. Right. On the other hand, I I would just be very cautious when you go bathing in the Amazon. Anyway, yeah, I'm not because there there are piranha. I'm staying boat. It can it can uh, it can nip at you. I'm st- <laughs> I'm gonna stay in the boat. <laughs> yeah. Don't hey Frederick Forrest. Don't get off the boat. Yeah yeah. Apocalypse now. Okay, so that's that's one thing of invading your body in kind of the worst way imaginable. Well, you know, one that gives you nightmares, and of course that's what fuels the lore is that it's something crawling up some place that would be hard to get out and you don't want up there anyway. Yeah. Not that any place in your body is, uh, is suitable for that. Uh, another one I found is the, the guinea worm, which interestingly enough, after reading up on it, Looks like it might be eradicated fully, but it's been around since ancient times, and uh, it's mostly found now in southern Africa. I I believe it's only four countries in Africa that it's found. There were like millions of cases maybe 15, 20 years ago. Now it's down to the hundreds. And and what it is basically, it's a parasitic worm that you get from – drinking water that has a uh, water fleas which are microscopic crustaceans and they've eaten the larvae and so it's ingested in them you drink the water now it's in you and so like a year later you start having these really awful symptoms and and basically it's just it's just a horrible burning pain as this thing the female which can grow pretty long like maybe 31 inches makes its way down to your lower limbs and eventually it will pop out oh, of a blister. Yeah.
0: I've seen – now these I've yeah. seen
1: – Oh, yeah. Have you seen fo- – Pictures, I yeah, think. It's yeah. It's pretty nasty. And really the only way to get rid of them really at that point – is that there's a really painful burning blister that will pop out because uh-huh. because think about this the parasite wants to keep recreating itself that's its that's would, its goal
0: would you be opposed to me leaving the
1: studio <laughs> while you record this well let me show you pictures uh right before you go to no. eat yeah oh. it, it, it's not that horrible looking but just you know just the description because basically what how they have to get rid of it is that you have to pull on it a little bit at a time and okay. this could be a couple of weeks okay yeah see now there nothing scary but definitely creepy. Yeah. Now, here's a little turn, which I love, because this is a fascinating thing that I, I, I happened upon today. Because I was thinking about things that invade your body, that then take over, you know, what's, what's the worst thing going to happen? Well, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I love Star Trek. I'm, I wouldn't call consider Wingfield. myself a, a Trekkie. Oh, yeah. He was the one captain. Yeah. He and Lieutenant Chenkov yes. had this happen to them. And it is the... Uh, it, was a Jerry, to, it was
0: a Jerry situation.
1: <laughs> you no, know, well, it, it was like that because it, it it caused tremendous pain. Yeah. Although I don't believe Jerry was, uh, I don't believe Jerry had his brain altered. Yeah, he didn't have any mind <laughs> thinking, control issues. No, mind control issues. But there is tremendous pain associated with both. And what it was basically in the story is that uh, yes, Khan, played by Ric- Ricardo, oh, Ricardo Montalban, puts the worm in their ear. You know, it's it's it's, uh, it's the SETI Alpha Five. It's the only thing that's been – that's alive on this planet after the, uh, the SETI-6 uh, blew up. And so it's a very horrible worm, which the larvae can go into your brain, wraps around your cerebral cortex, and makes you very open to suggestion, which is cap, you know, kill Captain Kirk. That's the suggestion. Yes, that's <laughs> the suggestion, which is the only thing I wanted to do. But so you think like, well, that's crazy. Nothing can crawl into your ear and control your brain. Well, that's not entirely untrue, because getting back to the cockroach and it's just desserts, here's a little something for the cockroach. You ever heard of the jewel wasp? You know what I have because I did a, we, a blog we, entry exactly. on it a while ago.
0: But you know what I, I actually now I can't even remember the specifics about it. It it it's a takeover parasite, right?
1: Oh my! It's 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 yeah. It's like some it's like sci-fi that somebody wrote because you you can't even believe that this is real. Yeah, it has to be made up. Just the the diabolical nature and the way that it attacks the cockroach. It goes after cockroaches, so it's it's called the emerald cockroach wasp or jewel wasp. And as yeah, we have a, We got a link to it. We'll have a website, link to it. Yeah. It's actually a very beautiful uh, looking, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, metallic and iridescent. It's actually yeah. qu- something to look at. Uh, now, just quickly, what it does is it finds a cockroach and, and it's going to take, its purpose for the cockroach is to feed its young and have a place for it to give birth. So what it does, though, is it, it lands on a cockroach, first injects venom into the thoracic ganglion which controls the front leg so now it can't really move very well and it has a couple of minutes to play with this thing so the second injection is at a precise spot where the head ganglia where the brain is is located and the second injection of venom controls the escape reflex so now it doesn't want to get away right now it can still move after this so then what it's like scientology (laughs) (laughs) Please, let's not, you know, let's not get us angry (laughs) because they they won't go away. No, it's in private detectives. Yeah. So it's not done yet. Oh, no, I have other devious plans for you. It then chews off the antenna of the cockroach like halfway through because one theory is that it may need fluids or that it might dilute the toxin because it doesn't want to kill the roach. It needs it still. And it doesn't want to have too little venom because it'll wear off. So then what it does is the jewel wasp takes one of the antenna and, like a horse with a rein, guides it back to its little burrow. Because essentially at this point, it's a zombie roach. Right. Takes it back there. It doesn't have a bright future. Oh, it's got a future. But it's not bright. (laughs) <laughs> no, but then again, the, you know, the, the, look, the, the horrible part is that we're intelligent. We know we can, we can comprehend these things. That's why, that's why there's horror. Yeah. Animals, like, the, every day is horror for them. Somebody's getting eaten or, or drilled out or something, or they end up in an ear and killed. So it, it basically guides it back to its little burrow. It, it puts a, a larvae egg. Uh, on the underside of its, you know, its abdomen and then shoves it into the, in the, the burrow and covers up the entrance with little pebbles, not so much it can get out, but it doesn't want other, other predators to get back at it. So then in the next couple of days, the larvae feeds on the underside of the, of the roach and eventually chews its way into the internal organs of the roach. But only eats the internal organs in the precise order, so that it keeps the roach alive for the longest possible time. It's like a little Hannibal Lecter. It's keeping it fresh. It's just oh my. Well, you want it to keep living, yeah. Which is just like it's diabolical. It's yeah. oh my yeah, it's god. It's awful. And then of course it just eats out the entire inside of the roach, and the cycle continues. Which just it's just yeah. It's I, mean, uh, I don't I didn't need to know. that. <laughs> I mean, I, a, even I made
0: a blog hey, entry. I remember. I think I compared it to yeah. like
1: a, a neurosurgeon. You know, because it's. Yeah, it, ju- it just knows what to do. No, but it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, like the, it's like Hannibal Lecter, just like, uh, guess what's for dessert? You know, the inside of your head. So, yeah. uh, anyway, that's gross. But you know what? The, for roaches, here's a little comeuppance for you. Yeah. It's a little something that will wake you up at night with nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. – but you know what? It doesn't uh, – they tried to introduce it into Hawaii one biologist did. And they, they they just don't make a good, effective roach control because there's just not enough of them. Their territory is very limited and they don't go hunting that much. So right. uh, you think like, hey, here's the perfect thing. Here's something – you you know, Mr. Flying Asian Japanese Cockroach in New York City can be afraid of now. Right. But no. So, yeah. Anyway, one last thing I wanted to mention is an article I found on Slate.com written by Annie Stolte, who is the editor of Adirondack Life magazine. But she recounts a little story where something very, very similar happened to her on a camping trip with very similar results. Just Blinding pain. In fact, the way she uh, describes it, it's uh, like a knife in the side of her head, and then followed by a thundering crackling as though a giant paper bag were being balled up inside my head. So she also had an auditory kind of thing. And apparently this happened not very often. This is pretty rare. Uh, But it does happen. Yeah. Now, you know, I we have a a link to her. We have a link to the article. And I wanted to give you an anecdote in case this happens to you, is that I guess apparently the doctors told her, well, you can you can drip baby oil in there or vegetable oil, olive oil that will kind of smother the bug and then it can be removed. But it will eliminate it from, you know, tearing around in there, Uh, because this is the reason why it hurts so bad is that uh, apparently you have four cranial nerves. It's got to carry auditory information to your brain so you're banging it with a hammer on the main lines going into your brain which is why which you know jerry yeah i I can understand that just shocking blinding pain right uh because it's right there you know and also there's a lot of blood vessels so the the bleeding and stuff now with her bug it was was kind of a scarab which is kind of like the june bug so actually very similar bugs Yeah, yeah beetle is that uh, the doctor saying? Well, it couldn't really chew on your eardrum. Even if it did, they're pretty resilient. They'll heal themselves in a short time. But what it is is the the, the scratching and the clawing yeah. on those raw, you know, nerves there. The, the patches of skin that are very sensitive. Well, and they're cause incredibly the strong pain. for their size, right? Oh yeah, I think the scarab can carry fifty times its own weight. Yeah. So they're very powerful little creatures, and you don't want them in your head. Well, here's hoping everybody sleeps well tonight. <laughs> Good luck with and that. With that, yeah. we're gonna sign off. Yeah, keep your earbuds in as you fall asleep listening to our podcast. All right, thanks for listening. That's gonna wrap it up for tonight. Will Will we... we'll... You're fired. <laughs> I get 3 screw ups. Wait, each. Okay. But that's every line, yeah, so yeah. that okay. adds up. Uh. We'll be back in 2 weeks with a new show. Special thanks to Mark Imgrind and Jerry
0: Browning for their stories. Our theme was composed by Judson Crane and our sound design by Ryan
1: McCullough. Thanks to Jim Creative Design for our logo. Most importantly, we want to thank our listeners. You can find us online at AstonishingLegends.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Copyright Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess. Good night. Ace is the place with the helpful
3: hardware, folks. Summer's here and it's time to get grilling. So let our Ace Grilling experts help you choose the right grill for your family from the best brands like Big Green Egg Charcoal Grills, Traeger Wood Pellet Grills, and Weber Gas Grills. And since our stores are locally owned and we're committed to helping our neighbors, we'll also assemble and deliver your grill for free. Around the block, what you need in stock with people who know their grills. Offer valid for Ace Rewards members through July 13th on Grills and Accessories $3.99 and up. See participating stores for scheduling or exclusions.